0: You are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to today's episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of having a conversation with the wonderful Kurek Ashley. I love the fact that Kurek reached out. I uh, had a little explore of what he was doing and we subsequently chatted. And wow, this man has some awesome stuff to share. He is an internationally renowned speaker, author and coach Um, in the field of self-development and spiritual growth and is recognized as a premier expert in personal and professional development, self-discovery and peak performance. His number one best-selling book, How Would Love Respond, has actually transformed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. He has a fascinating background, traveled the world, and for over 30 years uh, has worked with Fortune 500 companies and corporations such, such as Apple, Schwarzkopf, Westin Hotels, Carlton United Brewery, hundreds of them. He also has a list of private clients that many of us would be envious of of Hollywood film and TV stars, movie directors, producers, and cinematographers, as well as rock bands, can't wait to hear about that one, composers, business leaders, all executives across the world, and Olympic gold medalists. He's the creator and founder of the the Life Success Club, that brings together a community of like-minded, positive, success-driven people from all over the world, and he's also, as he just shared with me, working on a brand-new TV show called Transformer. Correct? it's wonderful to chat with you. I've got a feeling we're not going to have enough time to cover your awesomeness, but thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm honored, and it's, it's great to connect up with you and see your work, um, so thanks for having me.
0: Oh, Thank you. Now tell me a little bit more about what it is that you do and I'm really interested in how you ended up here uh, in Australia on the Sunshine Coast.
1: Well it's kind of a fun story actually. Um, I, I, I started off at 12 years old as a professional actor and so when at 18 I left for Hollywood um, and followed my movie career and wound up doing thirty-eight movies. Um, I worked on the original Dukes of Hazard TV show in 1980 and 81 for two years, doing stunts and you know did all kinds of crazy things like that. But I was always uh, doing speaking engagements and some form of coaching. I didn't really even know what I was doing in those days, but I I still wanted to teach people about following their goals and dreams. And um, you know had some incidences in life. Uh, One of those being is that I was, I just, it was 1989, I just finished the movie Lockup with Sylvester Stallone, one of my idols and actually a friend of mine. And also then I was off to the Philippines to go do Delta Force Two with Chuck Norris. And uh, not only have I worked on 38 movies in front of the camera, I've also done over 500 movies behind the camera um, as a key and dolly grip and things like that. And so Crew members, you know, I'm very. I have a lot of great friends who are work behind the camera. And when I got to the Philippines to do Delta Force 2, uh, one of my be- very best friends, Mike Graham, the key grip, was on the show, and uh, Don Marshall, the lighting director, Jeff Brewer, one of the stunt guys. So here I am, you know, working big-budget movies with, you know, legendary stars that I wanted to work with. And then during the course of the movie, I was involved in a helicopter crash where five of my friends died. And My best friend, Mike, died in my arms. Uh, He was 29 years old. Um, On the way to the hospital, I pulled him out of the wreck. He was on fire. And um, for the next two and a half years, my life was in a very negative tailspin and and it kind of went south and drugs and had a gun in my mouth every night and those kinds of things. And then woke up one day and made a new decision and changed my life. And then, you know, this evolution happened where I realized I really didn't want to be in the movies. What I want to do is help people change their lives. And so um, I, I just through circumstance started working with Anthony Robbins. Uh, this is before he became the iconic Tony Robbins. He had like 400 people in the seats back then. And somebody asked me to come save their business here in Australia. They saw me working with Tony and uh, came out here, and that company left me stranded and didn't pay me for a year. And now I'm homeless in two countries. <laughs> I couldn't even. I home to be homeless, and put it into action. And um, at that point, uh, started doing some free seminars that work for a paid seminar. And at that point, um, well, fell in love with the country, but also uh, was asked by the women's beach volleyball team to work with them. And I spent two and a half years with them, and I took them to win the gold medals at the Sydney Olympics. Wow. So, so ever since then, been home, and that's uh, 21 years that I've been here now. So it's kind of a long story, but it's. It's one point leads to the next.
0: Yeah, and it's fascinating how you move from being in front of the camera to behind the camera to now doing what it is that you do in terms of helping other people uh, be their best. Is there a golden thread that runs through all of those experiences that joins it all together?
1: Well, I guess there is, and that is that I thought that, you know, if I got faint, I mean, this is, again, is you know, I always – since I was a young kid, I wanted to be an actor. Um, And so I started on professional stage at 12 years old, uh, working with some actually big people like George Wendt from Cheers and Tim Kazarinski and these other actors, Jim Belushi. But um, I I didn't really realize until later on that my point was if I got famous, somebody would help, you know, want to hear me speak about how do you fulfill your goals and dreams that's what i was always about and once i kind of discovered that um that's when you know i started moving more away from hollywood and doing what i do but the key distinction between all of it i guess is that what i figured out is that the only difference between successful people and average people is that we manage how we think and feel differently than the masses do and even how we did ourselves and it's it's that ability that's gotten me through my darkest moments to live in the more brighter moments, obviously, and, and certainly with all the people that I help. And it seems very simple, but it, um, it is quite simple, but it's challenging to do because we have to really reinvent ourselves with how we operate. Mm,
0: I love that that comment that the difference between success and average actually isn't necessarily skill, is it? It's, it's how you're thinking and feeling. Have you got some examples you can share with our listeners of where um, – that difference has resulted in shifts in people's businesses or even them actually fulfilling their dream versus living a life of uh, unfulfilled dreams.
1: Sure. Well, I'll give you, I guess, a public one first. And that's just that, you know, in 2008, we went through a thing called the global financial crisis. By the way, the global financial crisis was so cool. That we had to give it an acronym and call it the GFC because that's kind of hip, you know. It's kind of like KFC, yeah. and a lot of people freaked out and lost their businesses and lost their homes and whatever. And probably like the and GFC, GFC, but I don't see anybody freaking out when they see the kernel. But they out they fr- you know, freaked out over the the GFC. And you know, but here's the thing, you know, um, um, Warren Buffett you know, was in the media because he lost, you know, $3 billion or whatever during the GFC because his shares went down. And the media loves talking about that because, you know, hey, let's let's share some drama with somebody who's successful. Um, by the way, he's, you know, he's probably still had about $8 billion left um, or 12, some crazy number, but he lost like $3 billion. And what he did, which most people don't understand is he just went out and bought more shares because he said discount on shares today, because he, because of his education, knew those shares would go back up. And those are the same shares that technically he lost the money on. He, and see, instead of selling what he had at a loss, he bought more. See, that's managing how you think and feel differently. So when most people, are seeing the crisis or seeing the problem successful people are we're looking for the opportunities and he did that not only did he make his 3 billion back but he made like 6 billion on top of that so you know when most people the housing market goes down they sell their house successful people we buy houses cuz they're discounted so again it's managing how you think and feel because when we feel differently well, we actually have a better quality of thought. We can have creative thought instead of worrisome or stressful thought. And creative thought, well, that creates creation. And that's where you make the new stuff in your life or the new opportunities.
0: And is this something that that change or that that difference in how you manage how you think and feel? Is it something correct that you've always been able to do? Or is there a moment where you had to take control and make that shift yourself? Is there an example of that?
1: I would, I would like to share that, um, you know, that I am the Buddha and I was born under, you know, where three wise men came and visited me, but that's not accurate. Um, No, actually, I told you about a helicopter crash. And after the helicopter wreck, um, you know, for the next two and a half years, I had literally a 357 Smith and Wesson pistol in my mouth every night. I pumped five and a half grams of cocaine at my nose on a daily basis. I was smoking weed and drinking booze like it was going out of style. I wasn't partying. I was just trying to kill myself because I was so depressed. And, you know, I asked questions like, why does God hate me so bad that he did this to me? And why am I such a loser that I couldn't save my friends' lives? And why did I live like a loser instead of dying like a hero? I'll just, By the way, those questions won't help you. They would definitely mm-hmm. hurt you. And so one day I woke up and realized that, well, your life's not your, uh, matter of fact, you're their inspiration. And I couldn't, you know, and a lot of times you don't even know who these people are. It could be somebody at the checkout counter at at the grocery store that you're nice to and that saved them from doing something dire to themselves because you you made them feel good at one moment that you didn't even know something was going on with them. And so I said, this can't be my legacy. And so I unscrewed a broom pole out of a broom and I held it over my my head like a samurai where you're in my backyard in California. And I cut a line in the sand and I said, once I step over this line, I'm done, Hmm. I'm done. You know. And you gotta get to that place in life. You go, I'm done, I'm done being Hmm. fat, I'm done being poor, I'm done being depressed, but you gotta say I'm done. Hmm. Otherwise it's like being buried neck deep in dog poo and you've been in it so long, you're trying to convince yourself it doesn't stink. Hmm. But you gotta say, wait a minute, it stinks. And so then what I did is I started working on myself. I, you know, I cut that line. I stepped over the line. I gave up drugs. I gave up alcohol. I gave all my guns away. Not that just people wandering down the street. I (laughs) gave them away to gun collector friends of mine. But um, as you can see in the two and a half years, I wasn't managing how I was thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And so what changed was it started with a, a crazy question. And the question was, is what's great about this? You know what's great about the helicopter crash and i know that sounds like a ridiculous crazy question but what the question does is it gets you to change what you're focusing on you know if you focus on what's bad you're going to feel bad if you focus on what's great funny things you start feeling better and so um you know originally the question is so ridiculous you almost think that there's no answer but i i expect an answer and so the first thing was is that well at least I had five friends to lose. A lot of people have nobody. They do anything have even five friends to lose. And at least my best friend died in my arms, not in a stranger's arms. And um, at least all the care to try to save those guys was given to them because I was one of those people. And I know a lot of other people who risked their lives as well. And um, I lived, which is, you know, you kind of forget that when you're in your drama, you know, to focus on something like that. And then also is that I saved two people's lives that day. But see, again, when you're caught up in your drama, you forget about the good stuff. And by asking what's great about it changed my focus. And then it became my hunger to really, you know, study at a higher level personal development and change, even though I was already doing it before the crash, but at a much higher level. And I really have came up with it. That's the key distinction to all of it. And by the way, it's the only thing we have control of is choosing how we think and feel because nothing really has a meaning. We give it the meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have your brand new car stolen and you go, well, at least I had a new car and at least it's insured. Um, if they scratch your new car, well, garbage yeah. that if you scratched it, it could have been an improvement mm-hmm. or you will not even notice it. Mm-hmm. So it it's, all comes down to how you're looking at it and then what are you going to do with, with this? So I've worked with rape victims and incest survivor, all kinds of stuff. And I go, okay, I got it. I can't change the event, but what do you want to do with it? Hmm. Do you want to have this consume your life and ruin your life? Or do you want to have this be a moment that you are it's a turning point to you becoming the most powerful you you can be and having the most better quality of life that you can be? That's up to you. Hmm. And people finally choose the best, the, the good quality one.
0: And do you believe that um, the simplicity of the question, which is what it is, like you said, it's 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 down to choice as to how we think and feel, but do you believe that it is in everyone's capability to flip um, flip things around so that it works for them versus against them?
1: Sure. We all have mm-hmm. equal potential. That's the great part about everything I teach these days is that Um, I only want to teach strategies that are based in science and they work for everybody. So not some people, not most people, but everybody. And we all have the equal potential. That doesn't mean everybody will do it, um, but everybody can. And that is you, but you have to hold yourself to that standard. Uh, My book has another question. It's my, and it's the title, which actually wrote the book and the The title of the book, which is a number one bestseller, is called How Would Love Respond? Mm. And if you identified yourself as love, because every issue we have in this lifetime, it's a self-love issue. I mean, if you really loved yourself, would you smoke cigarettes? Would you allow yourself to stay poor? Would you abuse yourself with drugs and alcohol? Would you allow yourself to stay fat and unhealthy? Of course not. That's not how love would respond. Love would want you to have everything you want. And so it's about working on that self-love where you go, you know what? I am going to change how I think and feel. And I'm going to hold myself to that standard. And I'm going to get around people who are going to hold me to that standard. And if I don't have those people, I'm going to find those people. But see, we all have that opportunity. It's just that most people, what they do is they they use the attention they get from being in pain, and they convert that attention into being what they consider to be love, because at least somebody's paying attention to me. But unfortunately, that creates a condition which gets worse and worse because you have to in order to keep getting the attention. Hmm. But once you learn, you go. You know what? This is about self-love. I'm going to love myself, hmm. and I'm going to get a. I'm going to have a great life, and I'm hold myself to that. Then you'll start doing the tools.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I want to take you back for a second, just to the personal transformation of um, moving from actor yes you had a, a massive uh, life changing experience which then has set you on the journey and the wonderful work that you're doing now correct but the success that you have achieved doesn't happen overnight does it so so what tips tools can you give in terms of for those listeners that may be going you know i'm currently a lawyer and I want to become a, a singer or I'm an accountant and I want to start doing property development. And it's that that chasm between existing life and dream life, the unfulfilled dream space that you have very successfully uh, worked through. Have you got any tips that you can share with our audience that they can take on board of how do they actually follow their dreams versus making excuses?
1: Great, well, that's a great question. I I, first thing that you have to do is you got to write out what I call your GDGs, your grand dream goals. And the reason I call them grand dream goals is because everything can be a goal, but that doesn't mean it excites you. So, uh, as an example, is writing a book. Well, you know, that you can get done with the book, but that doesn't mean anybody read it. So, my goal when I was writing How Would Love Respond, my grand dream goal, which is I wanted to be an international bestseller because that means People bought the book and that means there's a better chance of them reading it because they invested in themselves. And and what why spend all that time writing it if you're not helping anybody with it, right? Because they didn't read it. So to be an international bestseller, that's what I really wanted to experience. And no, not because you make the money and all that stuff is what's the feeling that you want? You know, what's that? How's it going to get you to feel? And I want to see, man, somebody's got to be that guy. Why can't it be me? Mm-hmm. And so what are your grand dream goals now grand dream goals don't need to be big or expensive and that's why i call them grand and we don't say big goals because big connotates size or you know like expense those kinds of things is what's the ones that are going to give yourself the most amount of joy to experience so if you're saying singer you know i want to be a singer well where do you want to be a singer do you want to be a, a karaoke singer do you want to be a, 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 a platinum recording star? What do you want to do? So that you have to be very clear and very specific in what you're saying, because the universe is a thinking stuff, not an assuming stuff. So Wallace D. Wattles, who wrote the book, The Science of Getting Rich, said that it is a thinking stuff in which all things are made, in which in its original state permeates, penetrates, and fills the interspaces of the universe. A thought in the substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. And what he's talking about is a law of science called the law of perpetual transmutation that says every thought eventually takes its form. So we have to be very specific. Then set a goal, uh, uh, a due date of when you're gonna have that goal achieved by. So that's your exit strategy. So if you're the lawyer who wants to be that. and don't put it five years out because five years, I don't even know who I'm going to be in five years. You know, it's, it's way too long. And your brain goes, I'll get to it. Well, I got lots of time. Is make it shorter than you think. So with again, with How Would Love Respond, I would—I said three months. Well, by three months, I didn't even have a chapter written. By the way, it took me four years to get How Would Love Respond out. Then within four hours of it being released, it took number one on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. I had 15 bestsellers lists. But that four years that I was studying, I was writing the book. I was also studying um, how do you market, how do you do publicity, how do you do online campaigns. So the key here is that you first you have to have the right mindset that I'm going to do it. Here's what I'm going for. I'm not stopping until I get it. That's the right mindset. And then you have to develop new skill sets. And sometimes it's more than a skill set. It's skill sets. So as you heard, I had to learn how to properly write. And organize my thoughts i had to learn publicity marketing online campaigns publishing all these different things um and then how do we do that well that's through education application and follow through so that means any goal you have first figure out what's the mindset you need which is i'm doing it i'm not stopping let's go for it i'm gonna learn i'm gonna reinvent myself do whatever i got to do I'm going to have an exit strategy when I'm going to leave this other job, because that means every day you're at that job is one less day you'll be at that job. Well, that's exciting. Now you're going to have passion again to put that job and go, man, I'm leaving this place smiling and feeling great. And then, you know, what education do I need? What skills do I need? Let's go get the education. Let's put that education into action. And then the last piece of the puzzle is called follow through. The fortune's always in the follow through. So any goal that you set out on and you do not quit until it's achieved, well, you are guaranteed the results. I love that. Guaranteed.
0: I love that, correct. The mindset, um, developing the skill or the skill sets, the application, the follow-through. Could not agree more. Where I often say a dream is just a dream until you start taking action. And uh it's that coulda, shoulda, woulda, or when I get round to it piece that that doesn't actually create any action at all. So yeah, totally totally agree with that. Um, So how do you um, manage yourself? I'm really curious because you've obviously spent a lot of time um, finding your purpose and why you're doing what it is that you're doing? How do you manage yourself through the busy times? What tips and tools can you share in terms of making sure that you don't start following shiny stuff, or you don't get taken off track, or you don't go down a rabbit hole that isn't actually aligned to what it is that you're wanting to achieve?
1: And then I would say is that in order to do that, you have to be great at sex, and it's not what you think. I'm <laughs> <everybody's> all excited because <laughs> I said that, but it, um, and that is in order to succeed in life, you know, to have that power you're talking about, you gotta be strong. Mm -hmm. You gotta have strength, that's the S obviously. And uh, see, I told you it wasn't what you think. It's, you gotta have strength. Um, Because if you don't have the strength, you will get pushed around by the outside world and you'll start to let it dictate how you think and feel. There it is again, remember, you're not managing it. And so in order to be strong, we have to E, exercise. Just like, so there's four main muscle groups that I exercise every day physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. Those are your four main muscle groups. So what are the exercises? Well, number one, physical. Um, move, you know, hit the gym. I do uh, Aikido, a martial art, I do four times a week. I live on a farm, so I'm quite physical, because by the way, we we do all the work here ourselves. Um, we don't really farm anything, it's just a beautiful piece of property that we live on, and we'll make it, like it looking nice and feeling nice. Um, also eating regime, and water intake obviously would be part of that exercising your physical mental it's a muscle you know wherever your head goes your body follows so every day I'm reading books I'm listening to audios I go to workshops myself people see me there and they go you're Kirk Ashley and I'm like yeah I knew that thank you and they go what are you doing here like you the guest speaker no I'm a participant and they go what are you doing here you already know this and I go how do you think I am where I am in life is that if you don't use it you lose it so i'm always keeping my 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 shorts sharp so to speak or my you know my i'm polished i keep my craft polished and myself so you know working that by the way driving to work being on a train the bus you could be listening to audios um instead of being on facebook and listening to people's drama um you know you could be working on yourself learning a foreign language learning about improving your business following your goal something so mental emotional, it's a powerful muscle because we're emotional creatures, we're not rational creatures. If we were rational, nobody would be in prison because people are doing irrational stuff and that's why you wind up in prison. Um, So we're emotional, so we gotta work that muscle every day. Well, how do you do that? Well, hang out with positive people instead of negative people. Um, uh, Focus on what's great about life, do personal development, Um, exercise your body because motion creates emotion. So as you see, it goes right back to the same thing. Then the last one is spiritual, which is not religious. Uh, Spirituality is called self-love because I'm not religious. My mom was Jewish. My dad was Christian. I was just really confused. Um, But the Bible says, um, if you do not know love, you do not know God because God is love. And we all know that love is More people have done things for love, the love of their child, the love of their family, love of their partner, love of their cause, their country, whatever it is, self-love. So if you want to connect yourself to source, it's through self-love. And so be kind to yourself. Quit beating yourself up. Instead, acknowledge yourself for everything you're doing approximately right. And the X, well, you put an E in front of that and it comes down to excitement, is do everything with passion and enthusiasm because it's not about what we do in life, it's about how we do it. Um, the word enthusiasm, the root word is, a, is called entheos, it's a Greek word, it means the God within. So as you see, you have more power on your side when you're passionate and enthusiastic. And, and that's what I do every day, is I do those exercises, I keep myself on track, and I also ask myself, what am I grateful for today? Mm-hmm. Because that power fills me up with love again for everything I have in my life, and it keeps me on track.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that acronym of uh, strength, exercise, and what excites me. So I'm curious, correct, is what's your view on what you're seeing right now? So you work with um, some people that to many of us would would have a perception of achieved success. I'm, I know you work with senior people, you work with people all through the line, large and small organizations. What are you seeing right now or experiencing right now or noticing right now um, that concerns you and that you know that uh, it has to change to move move the world forward?
1: Oh I think that the world is in a more um, spiritual place than ever before. Mm-hmm. I think that you know the troubles that we see in the world, you know, become our greatest gifts because they show us where we still have to change. They become our spiritual guides. And you know, sometimes you know, you see it and it's so dark, it's so ugly that you go, no, I'm done. I'm you know, like uh, there's things that have happened where uh, even terrorists, Um, have finally said, nah, you know what? That was so over the top. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, There was a woman uh, a couple years ago who walked up to the Israeli border. She was Palestinian. She was loaded up with explosives and she opened her jacket and said, you know what? I can't do this. Um, Please take these off me and I apologize. And, you know, had an aha moment. So, you know, I'll give you an example, though. Of, I don't just work with CEOs. I mean, I work with movie stars mm-hmm. and all those things. And I'm I'm very honored to have some of my friends. And you know, I just had uh, lunch with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and got to watch a Super Bowl at his house. But you know what? I've known Sly since I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he to me, he's just a guy. You know, I mean, yes, I'm I'm very respectful for who he is in the world. But he's a guy and he's a person, and I study all These people. Right now, a gentleman in uh, Melbourne, who I met him in November, had very, very serious, aggressive Tourette syndrome. You know, neck and head twitches so bad, hundreds of them a day, where he'd have to pull over his car, and he'd have, you know, head pounding headaches, and killed his self-confidence and all the rest of those things. Um, He came to our Find Your Fire retreat, and that's how I actually met him. It's a four-day retreat, which uh, people work on themselves. And uh, then became uh, you know working with me privately a little bit. And within uh, literally two and a half months, has no Tourette syndrome, um has a, a promotion at work, has a raise, has a woman he's dating that he's had the attraction for since high school, has a brand new Mercedes, bought a new house. His life, you want to talk about a turnaround. But it's who he's become as a person, and this this happiness that he exudes. And this power and how we've shown other people, man, if I can do this, you can do this. And for all of us, no matter where we think the world is and Donald Trump's and blah, 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 you know, look, he's not going to fix it. Nobody is. We have to. And no matter what I see in the world, it always comes down to my number one flip chart chart that I always show at workshops and I always teach my clients. And that is in order for things to change, I have to change first. The world's not going to change, and you got to take responsibility. You got to have a new response to what's going on. Choose your response, responsibility, the ability to choose how you respond. That new action will always produce a new result.
0: Mm. It's the ownership piece, isn't it? I often uh, say to people I work with that each and every single one of us has the opportunity to create a ripple of change around us Um, and the opportunity to turn that ripple into a wave of awesomeness, of positivity, of support, of love, of compassion, of belief. Um, is really for me where the opportunity lies. And uh, it starts with you, it absolutely starts with you. So thanks for sharing that. I'm equally curious about, um, and, I, and I know we, we work in, in we, we, we're both trying to do the same thing in different ways. And I'm sure you hear uh, lots of advice being given to people. What is What is the one piece of advice that if you could, you'd say, just ignore that, just ignore that. That's rubbish, that's bullshit.
1: Well, uh, I'll start with this, is that I actually don't give my advice and I don't give opinions because the messenger will always lose his head. What I deal is in strategy. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that, you know, all successful people, if you want to be successful in life, you have to be free of the good opinion of other people. Because you got to remember, is, you know, like, for instance, I have five brothers and a sister. And um, I've always been known as the weird one May not act differently, but you know what? it's the weird ones of the world that have actually changed the world and it's the average person that waits for it to be changed you know because they're in the masses they go well that's what everybody else is doing so that's what i'm going to do you have to be free of that you got to be free of what people think about you because you know um anybody who's went to do something different everybody tried to you know the the masses try to shoot them down and talk bad about them until the change happens and then all of a sudden they're a big fan of theirs like here in australia australians We're paying out on Steve Irwin when he was alive, you know, and we ought a wanker and he's making us look bad in the world's eyes. And as an American coming here, I'll tell you, Steve Irwin is a hero. You know, I'm looking at as Americans. We love them because what guy jumps on crocodiles and tries and then calls them beautiful, you know, but he lived his passion. Then when he died, you know, and you see, by the way, Australia Zoo is the number one tourist attraction in Australia. They're opening one in Vegas now, if you can think of that. But, um, you know, now everybody wants to be his fan, you know, and talk about how great he was or, you know, Stallone, you know, what an idiot he was until now he's got a career for 41 years or something like that. He's, you know, Rocky's been a franchise and he's doing Creed 2 right now at 71 years old. He's doing another Rocky film Um, and all of a sudden people are raving fans. So, you know, Sly, he's, you know, he's got a speech impediment because half his mouth is paralyzed. They cut him pulling out of his mom with an instrument. So half his mouth is paralyzed. So there's talks like this, you know, mm. everybody thinks he's stupid. Mm. I, I don't know if you can have a career like that and be stupid, no. but he's been free of that only to create. Now that's cool to sound like Sly. Mm. Um, so anybody who's ever created anything great. We're the ones who, we don't really care what everybody else is thinking. We don't care what they're saying because people who are, in the know you know those other minority members who are going to change the world we don't talk about people like that we celebrate people's successes even if people you don't like celebrate the rewards Mm -hmm. the the accomplishments they've done even if you don't like donald trump at least the guy's done something he got hey look he got elected Mm -hmm. hope that he's going to be the best president because if not well now you're asking for doom Mm um whether he will or not that's up to him but man have the intention that he will and be a person who focuses on what you do want not what you don't want, because either way, you're going to create what you're focusing on.
0: Mm. Mm. No, that's great. Kurek, I've got one final question for you. Um, We often hear conversations and interviews uh, asking people about, you know, what is it that you want to become? Why are you here? And all those sorts of things. But I'm more curious as to who do you, Kurek, want to be remembered as?
1: Uh, Oh, well, uh, you know what? It's something my son changed my life. At the end of it, I asked him, how do you want to be remembered? He goes, I don't. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, Sensei, um, you know, what kind of energy footprint do you want to leave? He goes, I just said, I don't. He said, you know, I don't need to be remembered. He said, you know, I hope that I facilitated helping change in people uh, to become who they're supposed to be, but they don't have to remember my name. And, and And I've really gotten to that place where because i used to be in hollywood and I, my whole thing was about getting famous and all that and then having very successful friends um in hollywood i realized i actually don't want that life and so you know here i live in a very small town on the sunshine coast and a farm is i don't care if people remember me or not i hope that i helped some people smile in this lifetime uh discover their inner child i hope i was a great dad for my kids and and a. Uh, um Uh, loving husband to my wife and and that I honored my parents by giving you know they gave me birth that I made this life the very best I could and I I followed my dreams and I lived those out and at the end when I closed my eyes for the last time I'll be happy because the purpose of my life was to be happy.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and for me Um, Well, you've left an impact on me. I'm so glad we got time to talk and I have a feeling we'll be doing this again because there's so much more I want to be asking you. Um, Some of the key points I just want to pick up from our conversation so far is this concept of the difference between Those are successful, and those that are average is really how they think and feel. And it's really clear from this conversation, what you shared, that that is one of your uh, special sources, your magic in terms of helping people make that shift. Um, The power Mm. of that question. Um, How would love respond? Um, So powerful. And I invite our listeners to just think about that today in terms of the action, the conversations that they are having with people, even the decisions that they are making and how they're acting. Is that how love would respond? Because it's incredibly powerful. Um, You also shared that we all have... Uh, equal potential to be brilliant, to be awesome to live the life that we want to live, and um, you know I think the more of us that can start believing that feeling that thinking that um, that creates a massive opportunity uh, to leave a great impact on the planet and yes the the sex is going to stay with me the uh, the strength the exercise across those four key areas and uh, the excitement in what you do. There is no doubt in my mind that you are passionate about what you do, uh, the work that you do, and most importantly, the people that you work with. How can people find out more about you, Correct?
1: Look, okay, obviously Facebook and social media, you know, Curic Ashley is easy to find me, K-U-R-E-K-A-S-H-L-E-Y. Um, also, is, I, I'd recommend everybody to uh, go to CuricAshley.com. And I have a free 10-day course called Get Out of Your Bad Mood, which is about any mood that people are, I'm not in a bad mood. No, it's about any mood that doesn't help you get your goals and dreams, to me, I deem is a bad mood. So it's about how do you manage how you think and feel. It's a 10-day online course. It's free. When you read the comments on it, people are like, I can't believe you're giving this away. And that's because my, my mission life is how may I serve. And uh, it's very valuable. But if you write me, I write back um I don't have ESP so I can't guess you were thinking about writing me so if you write me I always write back and uh, I'd be honored and also is you know for you personally um, you know, if you'd like a copy of my book for having me on your show today, I'd love to send you a copy as long as you promise to read it. Just send me. your.
0: Oh, I, am actually looking for a new book. I try and read a couple of books, pages to page every month. So I'm coming to the end of the recent one. So I would be absolutely honored to receive that. I'll drop your line with my address and I will be signing up for awesome. your course. And I would love to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love that. It. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, and I look forward to speaking to you again.
1: Yes, ma'am, my pleasure. Anytime you want me, I'm here. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her
0: books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.